Welcome to the Tea Migos Podcast, the show where we talk life while enjoying tea. Today, I talked with Chris and Ari of Hone. Hone is a company on a mission to provide holistic optimization and natural energy for people in an ecologically responsible way and develop a progressive, sustainable relationship with their community and environment both locally and abroad. We dove into the Hone story, what it means to take risks in business, meditation, tea, travel, and more. Discover their work on social media at Hone or on their website, honeblends.com. That's H-O-N-E-B-L-E-N-D-S.com and enjoy the show. Ari and Chris, welcome to the Team Eagles podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing Good. great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Yeah. Super excited. Like we were ta- kind of catching up our little, I guess, or meeting each other for the first time not too long ago. Just really excited to finally get to know you guys. You guys have a really cool, cool brand. And just, um, I mean, matcha is my favorite. I'll say it. Yeah, it's my favorite tea. It's like kind of what got me on the on this tea journey. So I'm excited always to talk about matcha lovers or talk with matcha lovers. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. So what are you guys drinking today? So uh, I'm drinking our own personal blend, ceremonial matcha, cordyceps militaris and B vitamins. It's a nice little pick me up in the Wait, morning. What was that? What's, what's in there? Ceremonial matcha, cordyceps militaris, vitamin B6, B12, green tea extract, chlorophyll, and sweetened lime fruit. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I, I think what like kind of drew me again to you guys was the you had you said cordyceps. And what was the proper name? Cordyceps. So cordyceps militaris is a specific type of cordyceps that we're using. Okay, what's that? Cordyceps militaris uh, is very similar to the the ultra valuable cordyceps sinensis that grows in the Himalayas, but it is able to be replicated in a lab, so in lab conditions whereas cordyceps sinensis is not. And it has beta-glucans, um, polyphenols, uh, cordycepin, all of which help your organs function at a higher level, increase your cognitive function, increase your respiratory thresholds. So it's really good for waking up, oxygenating your brain. It's really good for working out, you know, pushing your VO2 max a little bit higher. Mm. And yeah. I like that. It, the, the the benefits are noticeable too, which is something that's kind of nice. Like some some yeah. mushrooms and you know Ayurvedic herbs, you have to take for a very long time, and it's like a gradual, almost unnoticeable benefit. But cordyceps, kind of like lion's mane, is something that you actually notice, like a, a distinct difference when you start taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool. I've, I agree because I've also had cordyceps in the past. So I just uh, what's the what's the brand? I've just had like just straight up like a bag of cordyceps and I think it's amazing like you said there's because there's some herbs that like after you kind of have to accumulate to really start to feel the benefits and to start to notice a change in your system. Mushrooms are kind of one of those that eh, I don't want to say all but a lot of them I do feel instantaneous Yeah, and that's really cool that you're that you guys are kind of expanding into that world because it's also one of those i've talked about it on this podcast before mushrooms are one of those supplements or herbs or fungi that 
I think get a bad rap for for most for the most part. At least for me, growing up, I always ha- I always thought of mushrooms kind of as either like the culinary or they're gonna kill you. <laughs> really? When there's so much in between. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think we we found that a lot too, right? There's there's a uh... There's two sides to it, or there's almost three sides to it, right? You have the people that immediately assume that we have a mushroom tea that's a psychedelic tea. You have people that when we say uh, mushroom matcha are immediately disgusted by it because they don't like the taste of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And then you have the third side where we say mushroom tea and people are all about it because they know exactly that it's a mushroom supplement and they want it because there's not that many like that and we've we've gone back and forth a lot on what the name of what the name of essentially the product is right Mm, it was originally presence and then with ceremonial matcha it was originally presence mushroom matcha with ceremonial matcha and uh cordyceps Instead, we kind of found that the really what it needs to be is just mushroom matcha because that's what people in general, the people that are going to buy our product, they're going to buy it because they love the fact that it has mushroom supplements. And the people that are disgusted by it or think it's psychedelic, they probably weren't going to buy it anyway. Yeah, I think I think actually yeah. um, that the word mushroom actually gets people enticed because they do think about the psychedelic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. the word mushroom like, itself okay. is a hot, like a hot button word right now. Yeah, it really it, is. Yeah, yeah, especially now. I mean, and you guys are in um, in Seattle now. That's I don't know. Is Washington? Do they have the same uh, the same like legislation? I don't know if legislation is the right word, but the same rules like when it comes to um, mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms that is psilocybin, as they do in Oregon. Not yet. Or is it different? Not yet. Yeah, not okay. Yet. So it's just Oregon that's Yeah, I think I kind just, of just the whole Pacific Northwest in my opinion is kind of like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I I'm honestly kind of surprised that it hasn't happened in Washington yet. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's Oregon is decriminalized. Colorado or it might, it might just be Denver. And then I think the city of Oakland. Yeah, is Denver, Oakland, Washington, DC. I think Oh yeah, DC. Michigan may have done some decriminalization as well. Oh yeah, interesting. You said Washington D.C. I've not heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, That's yeah. Washington, Washington, yeah. D, Washington D.C. is super liberal. It's so. I mean, they're almost always like one of the first movers with a lot of this stuff, or very close to it. Okay, okay. Maybe I just don't know my politics well enough, but that one right. for some reason surprised me. <laughs> I don't know about politics well enough either, man. <laughs> but I do know about mushroom supplements. <laughs> <laughs> That's the more important part, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, that's that's super cool. That's uh, and yeah, going back to what you were saying about like the the three groups, I've now seen that exact same thing when I tell people. Most of the time, yeah, I, I think because I first was introduced. Um, the brand for Sigmatic that you guys mm-hmm. might know. It's a, it's a popularized brand that's kind of taken, in my opinion, they were like the first people to really popularize the mushroom supplements. Um, I had a bunch of, I bought 
um, mushroom coffee that they have a lion's mane coffee. And I like, and I liked it because I was looking for a coffee flavor with, um, just less caffeine and without like the, the shit that I normally feel from, uh, from coffee. And this was years back. And so when I would offer it to people, same exact responses, they're like, so am I going to get high or is this going to taste like shit? I'm like, neither actually. (laughs) It's really good. Trust me. And then, uh, yeah, either they just wouldn't trust me or they would buy in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that was actually one of the first mushroom supplements I had ever heard of too. Through the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, no, four sigmatic. Oh, four sigmatic. Yeah. 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 Do you remember the first one you ever heard of? I think it was Paul Stamets. Yeah. Who isn't he the, no, is he the founder? Yeah. No, so he, fungi. He's the founder of fun, Fungi Perfecti. And they hold fungi roughly, perfecti. they hold a, a very large portion of the, the mushroom market right now. Yeah, that, or, or host defense, isn't that? Host defense, yep. Yeah, yep, those are the same. Yeah, that's also, me. same, oh, okay, that's the same brand. Yeah, yeah yep. Fungi Perfecti. So, su- okay. Yeah, and yeah fungi Paul Stamets, yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Fungi Perfecto was that documentary, that movie. Uh, no, that was Fantastic oh. Fungi. Uh, fungi Perfecto is the name of his company. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> People are going to listen to this and be like, what is going on? He's <laughs> talking about fungi and like... <laughs> just a bunch of fun guys. Uh, fun, yeah, fun guys with some fun guys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to edit that one out. That was a bad joke. <laughs> Leave it in. No, but yeah, that, that Paul Stamets, he's, he's pretty cool. I actually have his book, uh, Mycelium Running. Have you guys heard of that? Or you have that? Yeah. That one? He's, a, no. he's actually from our area. Oh, no shit. Okay, yeah, cool. So he, Do you guys so know? He, he spent a lot of time actually living like right next to our university. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's very much like a local hero. I actually went and saw, um, our, yeah, we went together, right? Mm-hmm. The premiere of his, his documentary, and he actually spoke there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. At Seattle oh, Town Hall. Super cool. Yeah. It quickly became a conversation about only psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as okay. you could possibly yeah. imagine, like, people were just like, so how do you microdose? Forget <laughs> about the other things. Like, what's your microdose regimen? Yeah, yeah, and again, surprising. that's yeah, that's gaining such popularity with people is that idea of microdosing the psychedelics. I think people are starting to understand the health benefits, especially for like PTSD patients, people who have anxiety, stress. Um, they're seeing those benefits, so it's becoming more popularized. But which is great because. It needs like maybe that's the first step for the mushroom or fungi world mm-hmm. is to understand that portion, and then people will dive deeper and realize, oh, there's things like cordyceps, chaga, reishi, um, shiitake. Which I mean, I eat like shiitake every day. I I love those, but like, all these other types of medicinal mushrooms have so many great benefits that you know you're not gonna psych- have psychoactive type reactions to. Yeah, I think I think society is gaining awareness from from both ends actually, and they're just becoming fully aware of like the entire scope mm-hmm. of like mushroom benefits. It's cool to see all these other like small mushroom companies popping up. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. starting to understand the benefits that are available, 
and then you see all these you know new articles coming about coming out about you know people pushing for you know decriminalization of possession of psilocybin in their you know jurisdiction so yeah i mean the future is kind of bright in that regard yeah feels like people are just yeah. beco- becoming very accepting and you know having marijuana already legalized is definitely expediting the process mm-hmm. i think things are going to become mm-hmm. like broadly decriminalized faster than you know the arc of thc was yeah yeah i'd agree so what how did you guys discover the power of mushrooms like where was where did that begin for you guys so i mean yeah it's, it's different for you both of us, we kind of like separately gained, yeah. you know, respect for mushrooms for and sure. came together. So when I, when I was in school, I was on ADHD medication and okay. that, that was a real pain in the butt. Kind of caused some yeah. anxiety. You know, I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it can be, a, a, no. you know, it causes hypertension. You just don't sleep properly. You don't eat properly. Don't consume enough water. And it started to mess with my ment- mental and emotional health. So I was looking for mm. ways to kind of remedy that, you know, patch my brain back up, you know, change my perspective and kind of break free from that. And cordyceps with matcha and B vitamins was actually um, a recipe that I came up with um, back in 2017 while I was in school. It was very different. I mean, the ratios were slightly different and it was a different form. So it was a ready to drink beverage that was ginger citrus. And, you know, that was a tiny little business that we had going on while we were in school. And that Mm. seemed like it actually was bridging the gap between being on those medications and, you know, living a a prescription-free life. And once I got out of school is when I met up with Ari and we found that we had similar passions and complementing skill sets and decided to start working together and you know the the brand has completely changed since then it, you know it yeah. got a huge facelift both from the supply chain side and from the branding side and yeah it was actually really good timing when we met up because Ari had been working on uh, a separate company and his his business partner actually backed out that morning we were were supposed to meet up and kind of exchange stories about what it was like working on these small businesses and trying to grow them and we met up at a coffee shop and Ari sat me down he's like I think I don't know why I'm here because my business partner backed out this morning and I kind of chuckled and told him that my business partners were also backing out that I had previously so we were kind of we were kind of both in this spot where we were considering whether or not being an entrepreneur for the rest of our lives was something that we really wanted. And at that point we kind of, you know, (laughs) made the decision to work together on this and try to figure it out. And, you know, it took us a little while to figure out whether or not this was something that we wanted to do for the long run and, you know, kind of dial in the branding, but here we are. That's yeah, that's amazing. So, couple things because there's that was that was really cool the i think one just the fact that you were able to kind of take your own health into your own hands and discover something that you needed um to help was super cool which and again how did you like i guess 
were you just like, was it Google like that? You're just like Googling, like how to help with these, these challenges that you were having or like, was it someone, did someone else inspire you? Like so with that, that was definitely a combination of friends from different parts of my life. So I had one friend who was, you know, already into the, the mushroom scene who informed me about the cordyceps and suggested trying those out. Another friend who was actually one of my business partners at the time who was studying ceremony, like the ceremony of matcha in Tokyo at her home university, who suggested you know, matcha being kind of one of the foundations of this beverage we were trying to make. And then yeah. I suggested the B vitamins. So that was research that I did on my own. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's super awesome. Again, taking that into your, to your own hands. And then so before you met with Ari that day and you're kind of both were in that weird predicament there were things you kind of had partners that were flaking on you. Did you guys know each other? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we had met. Okay. We had a, we had a very different relationship before that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I don't, interested. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how our intuition <laughs> actually actually told us to work together because we had we had not built a resume for one another. But uh, the I first time we hung that. out, we went to an international rugby tournament up in British Columbia to spectate. Okay. And we had this mutual friend Jim who who got us together in, in this group of dudes and went up there, and it was the least. Uh, least ceremonial thing that we probably could have done i don't know we were wearing dresses yeah <laughs> that's pretty ceremonial all right, all right. wait this is all over the place <laughs> what, what's going on here the weekend like, itself was all guys over are the place, in dresses so, yeah so so when you, you go guys to are a rugby dresses tournament, watching rugby yeah all right so so the, the rugby international sevens is like a a big fun thing it's almost like a festival and everybody that you go with you know in, in your group is supposed to dress up in costume in like the same fashion. So we were trying to figure out what we were going to dress up as. And Jim suggested that we all dress up like, you know, elderly women. So we all went to our, our local, uh, our local, like a uh, Buffalo exchange and got dresses well. and parasols and little horn room glasses and proceeded to drink heavily, very heavily for <laughs> two or three days straight. So it's essentially the first time that Chris and I met and hung out. We were wearing dresses and we were very drunk. <laughs> I mean, maybe minus the dresses part, I have a lot of great friendships that, that have also collaborated that way. And in some sense, that's like a ceremony in itself. That's a, maybe a little different type of ceremony, but yeah, you know, those, those three-day weekends or four-day weekends or whatever, they, uh, they're something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was... It was an incredible it was incredibly fun i mean mm -hmm. just that entire weekend and i we probably did bond in a sense over that i mean he also ended up getting me a job at the place that he was working at even though we never saw each other at that job mm. um and then yeah I, I think both of us were interested in this lifestyle or this endeavor of trying to, to start a, a business ourselves like separately yeah. That was yep. kind of the, the path that we both, I guess, kind of obviously wanted to take instead of kind of trying to get your traditional jobs out of college. And yeah. I saw him starting up a, a drink company when I had tried to start up one uh, a few years prior to that. And so 
we met up and now I was, I was trying to start a different drink company. Um, and yeah, it just kind of worked out in the serendipitous way that it did. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Cause that's, uh, so you guys like, I, I don't know why in my, I thought you guys were like friends beforehand and it just kind of worked out that like, Hey, I want to start a tea company slash cordyceps company and you want to start this, but <laughs> you know, we, yeah, like I mean, like said, we weren't, we weren't unfriendly. We just kind of never really yeah. hung out. We weren't in the same group of friends other than that one I get that. mutual friend that we had who moved away. He's back in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we kind of just like saw each other every now and then, but like, you know, weren't really like hanging out all the time. And honestly, I think this is, that was for the better because I think taking like a super close friend and trying to make them a business partner is a recipe to have expectations. You Mm. know what I mean? And like, you know, if you have certain expectations of a close friend of yours, that's a recipe for friction and then it can really damage the relationship both in the friendship section and in the business partner. So I think it's actually better that, that it worked like that because we're developing like, you know, a deep friendship and a deep um, like partnership at the same time and we don't really have crazy expectations of somebody who was just like a drinking buddy beforehand yeah yeah that's uh, awesome that's like it reminds me of like the the saying where like when you're going into college and people like want a room with like their best friend from high school and like yeah. they're always like eh, yeah i don't know if that's always the best thing to do <laughs> it's yeah. like oh totally yeah it's like too much of a yeah, good thing or like, cool. you know, kind of like misassociating like a good friend for being a good business partner just because you guys like have fun together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And it's kind of like there's a buddy of mine. He started a kombucha company um, it's called uh, ComCom. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's only Chicago based. So nice. Um, but I went to high school with this with this dude. I played football with him friendly mutual friends or like we just had a bunch of mutual friends whatever and then one day i just see him in like a restaurant here in minneapolis and he's still like living in chicago and we like he like approaches me he's like vince and this is like i don't know five six years after seven years after college or after high school and like i haven't seen this dude since and we both look drastically different than we did in high school. So I was like, uh, yeah, who are you? <laughs> and like, but then he like kind of started rambling on about like, well, he's, he told me, he's like, hey, I'm Jack. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Yeah, dude, it's been so long. He's telling me about this kombucha company that he's starting. And it just happened to be right when I was launching Fresh Steeps as a blog. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like I'm launching this Fresh Steeps blog. Like tea, kombucha, one in the same-ish. Um, I mean, it's just fermented tea. And, yeah, exactly. It's just fermented tea. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, he's been an awesome like person to collaborate with, like throughout this. And go back in high school, like would have I wouldn't have considered him my friend, really. Like we were mutual. We played on the football team, cool, but like we weren't. We just weren't like we didn't mesh like like that, like super close friends. So it's weird how life kind of just puts. I'm all about like people fall into the play into your path at the right time. So yeah. Yeah. in my opinion, you guys, it was, it was perfect timing when both your partners are now uh, flaking on you guys, you have this meeting and, and now look at you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, um, it felt planned. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like we, it's not like we met up and you know, our partnership started and things just became beautiful and like, everything just 
flowed smoothly. <laughs> Wait, you're we, telling me that there's challenges in life? Yeah, was, what? You know, here and there, like, no way. we disagree no, on what to us. get for appetizers. <laughs> yeah, and starting a business is hard? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people who say that i mean we, we each took a <laughs> around the same time in 2019 we each took kind of a just like a sabbatical to figure out if this was something that we wanted to dedicate our lives to more or less mm -hmm. so ari went on like a surf trip and i i went off to india and nepal and we both thought on it super hard you know basically tried to get as isolated as possible and see if we could uh figure out what we needed out of life and we came back you know actually we we uh we were ready to break up with one another <laughs> we, we came oh back no to, yeah seems like all the magic happens at cafes so we met up at a yeah. cafe again and yeah. we we sat down and ari was packed up ready to go back to colorado he he had colorado. made up his mind that it was probably not going to work out and he wanted to pursue something in colorado you know help his mom and yeah. I felt like things just weren't right. It didn't feel like the brand image was there. I didn't feel like I had, you know, I wasn't identifying with it. And we decided that, okay, it's probably best that we just part ways and, you know, we'll probably catch up with one another here and there. And as we are getting up from the table, we kind of come to this, you know, like, you know, this last ditch effort, like, okay, like, what would we need to do to make this work like what is the the missing link what's not actually fitting here let's see like you know if we change a couple variables can we make this something that we can like sink our teeth into and it came down to something as simple as the name and the logo it just it didn't represent us at all it didn't feel like it was something that we wanted to share it didn't feel like you know people were understanding what we were trying to communicate with them which you know when that disconnect exists it makes it really hard to push something so we sat down and busted out a pen and paper and ran through a bunch of names. I mean, a bunch of names and, yeah. you know, agreed on hone. And from there started kind of rebranding everything. And then we, we reformulated our, our business from a ready to drink business to a powder supplement business, which was perfect timing as well because as you know, the pandemic hit shortly after that. So having an e-commerce business was really beneficial. But yeah, yeah that, that was the moment when, when things actually started flowing. Yeah, it was, it was kind of wild because as Chris said, <laughs> we sat down at that cafe fully in the assumption that we were not going to work together. Like both of us separately, we thought it totally separately. And neither of us knew that the other person thought that. Because we hadn't yeah. talked in months. <laughs> yeah. Because right? I was, so I was gone. And you were gone. Yeah. And I, I had, I literally packed up all my stuff and I was staying on my friend's couch for my last month in Seattle. And I'm like, here's some ties I need to close out. Um, when I was packing up all my things, my story quickly, everybody, I was helping my, my mom had a cannabis grow in Portland. During school, I would go down there and, and help her quite a bit. She hit, it wasn't going so well. Um, so we decided to do, uh, try to do a THC and CBD kombucha. Mm, okay. And so I had all these recipes that we had formulated way back. And I was going through the while I was packing up from Seattle. 
and thinking that I don't know what I'm going to do, but I think I'm going to keep on trying to pursue a drink company. Yeah. So I sat down at that cafe with Chris and said, yeah, I I don't know if if you want to do this, but I'm either going to do this here or I'm going to do it in Colorado. Yeah. Or because I was just about to get a job as a financial advisor. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Settling. (laughs) I know. I, I I decided, I think I went camping by myself and decided not to do that and to keep on trying to make tea. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I love that. That's so, okay. My question then for you is you guys came into this conversation. You were ready to, to cut the ties, end it, whatever. Like this is not meant for us. But as you were getting up, what happened? Like, did, was it like, what happened there that you were like, you, no, like let's let's maybe work this out. Like what? what yeah, I guess what was that? I, th- I mean, what I noticed right is that both of us wanted to do this. We genuinely wanted to do it, and we both had been through a few experiences that had not worked out. Uh, both with working with each other, with working with different teams. Uh, like I had. How my mom had a business, run a business for a few years. It failed. I worked in some teams in college that didn't really work out. Um, and and Chris had worked with a t-shirt company. That was it worked, but the teams didn't really work. He had worked with his team uh, before in the drink company. So we both had really good ideas as to how to start something. We kind of had these uh, different thoughts of how exactly to do it. And in that cafe, at sitting down at that cafe, our ideas totally meshed. Every time that we came up with, uh, like, we have to have one product right now. We have to have an energy product right now. The, the name isn't, the first name we had was Mudita, which is long. It's hard to pronounce, right? Yeah. It's, it's a really beautiful word, the meaning of it. What is that? But it doesn't, it means... Uh, so it's a the Sanskrit word. you get. Yeah. Okay. It's a Sanskrit word. What that that mean? It means like the, the, basically the joy that you are, get out of the success of your peers. That's beautiful. Yeah. And but so people couldn't say it. We, uh, <laughs> what'd you but say? <laughs> I said, but people couldn't say it. Yeah. And it also, t- it sounds like mud. Like it's. How does it, how's it spelled? Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, M-U-D-I-T-A. Okay. Um, and so we sat and we just at that cafe. We, we, we went through this whole process and our ideas were pretty much the same. Um, and then as we kept on kind of going through it, we ended up on the name Hone after that whole conversation. And I mean, the name is honestly perfect and mm-hmm. it wasn't trademarked yet in the energy space and the, in the drink space. Yeah. Um, and so it seemed like it just, it was, it was right for us to, to try to pursue this together. Mm. And how, so what about hone is perfect for you guys? So the definition of hone is to sharpen or perfect something over a period of time, which is kind of what we're doing with our products. You know, we're, we're trying we're trying to perfect our products so people can use them to 
try to perfect themselves. You know, obviously mm-hmm. perfection is like an elusive goal. Nobody ever achieves it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we drink these supplements. You know, we eat mushrooms. Um, we, you know, take these Ayurvedic herbs in an effort to try to, like, narrow down, you know, shave off the parts of ourselves that we're having a hard time with. So, like, we're almost creating the whetstone that people can, like, sharpen and perfect themselves with. And that that feels like it's packed with a lot of meaning. And it feels uh, feels pretty cool. You know, it feels like it's really communicating what we're trying to do for our community. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, hone in. Hone in on yourself. Hone in on the, the different attributes that you want within yourself. Like, the product we have is trying to be a honed in energy supplement right yeah or an energy drink right because yeah, yeah. i mean you have pretty much every energy drink is either going to be anxiety causing going to cause jizzers going to cause a crash yep and it's probably going to have a lot of chemicals and or sugars mm-hmm. that are just bad for you right for sure and so we wanted to make a product that had none of that, but you still got all the benefits of actually having a, a calm, anxious, free energy. Mm, I love that. I, I kind of love this, the whole sentiment behind that story too. It's because you were, you were like knocking on Hone's death, Hone's death door. <laughs> like you, it, basically you were right there about to call it quits and, and end it. And I love that you kind of like listened to yourself. You kind of honed in on like, all right, is this truly what we want? Is this what we are looking to do? And you knew that that wasn't the right answer and you pursued it still. That's cool. Like, I think people can hear that and relate to that story. Cause I know personally I've called it quits on some things that I look back and I'm like, was that like meant to be like, was it meant to call it quits? But at the same time, like, cool i let those things go in the past but like now i focus on like what i'm doing now in the present and it's the same thing you have doubts doubts are always going to come up like in anything that you start that you know is going to be a long-term game you're going to have those doubts that that come over and you're going to want to pull the plug and hearing that story just kind of like really looking into yourself and taking maybe a sabbatical and actually like really focusing and and stuff like brings you back to why you even started these things in the first place. So super cool, super inspiring to hear that. Cause like I said, I think everyone's out here trying to be a better version of themselves, pursue something that's going to grow, whether it's their own brand, whether it's being better within their own co- or within a company that they work for working out, whatever it is, they're trying to be better. And that's just a good, don't quit. <laughs> Yeah. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep moving forward. If yeah, it's something I mean, that you care about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in, the, hard, in that same right? vein, it's like, it's really important that Ari and I both have, you know, this a committed mentality, but we're also very comfortable with the idea of failure. Mm. I think that, I think like you have to be comfortable with both sides of that coin. Like you're driven for success. You've got like, you know, you're manifesting, you're visualizing. But at the same time, you also understand that nothing's guaranteed and you could work really hard and, you know, things might not work out. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's something that you need to keep, you know, yourself very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
we, Chris and I have talked about this, that we'd almost be, in a sense, surprised if all of a sudden things are just like working really well. <laughs> right? <That's good. laughs> like, Again, it's like, eh, you still have to get skeptical. Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever something amazing happens, we get a little creeped out. Yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, right. where's the catch? Yeah, there's something lurking here that we're going to have to fix. <laughs> oh, that comes from trauma. <laughs> yeah, it just comes from business. Yeah. <laughs> AKA trauma. <laughs> yeah, okay. One in the same. <laughs> Touche, yeah. Uh, no, that's, um, so actually I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on, on this. Um, I've talked with a few people who have started brands of their own or started pursuing something and the that idea of failure has always been something in my mind because when I started pursuing tea because tea is just like a passion of mine like I know in my mind I'm not going to stop drinking tea I drink it every day I've been drinking it every day for years now and I, I love it so but it's it's different when you start like branching it into a business and into something like that And that idea of failure, I've always messed, like, kind of, this is, it's hard for me to explain, but like, been challenged with it because I'm like, if I just don't stop and I just adapt, like, maybe I need to make changes, but if I don't stop pursuing this, am I ever really failing? I think the only true failure is quitting. What what do you guys think about that? I would disagree with that. Okay. Because I, I think having that awareness of when to call it quits is really, really valuable. Because, I mean, it could have failed a mm. year ago and you're just not aware. You know what I mean? Okay. So I think, yeah. and, and that's like a hard thing to know if you ha- like have a skill for until it happens. But mm. I, think, I think that's like a really valuable business asset. From people that I admire who I talk to, I think knowing, knowing when to call it quits and kind of like cut your losses and reinvest into another project is really valuable. Mm. So I think there's a difference between quitting because you got scared and quitting because you've run the numbers, you've analyzed it, and there's just not space for you to occupy in that industry anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I guess like I agree and disagree, right? Because when it comes down to it, if you're stopping that project and you're going to go do a different project, you, you, you aren't quitting. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you just understanding the, the circumstance that this certain thing that you're doing isn't going to potentially make you financially stable mm. or it's not bringing about the life that you want. Right. And so, I mean, yes. and or it's just, you know, you're just genuinely unhappy from the circumstances of what's going on. Like yeah. If, I mean, if life is, is long, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but it comes down to it. If you, if you are continuously going on trying to do what you want to do, whatever that is, mm-hmm. then you're never quitting. But sometimes you have to quit a project. Sometimes you have to say, yeah. for whatever reason... That's not what you should be doing at that moment. Yeah, no, I, that's a good, and that's a good point that I completely agree with. I think there's a, yeah, there's that clarification there of, are you quitting out of fear of, again, I, I, I want to use the word there, failure, like you're quitting because you're afraid of what's next, 
or are you quitting because you realize I've been putting energy into this and there's another, see that to me is like the adaptation. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to adapt and maybe it's going to be a completely different project, but I'm adapting and still pursuing what's what I desire and what I want. So I like that. I agree with you guys on that. And that's, that's the, I think that what I was trying to get across, but did a poor job at. <laughs> no, I mean, you did a fine job with it, right? The, the, the thing is, is like, those decisions are so hard, mm-hmm. right? Like you sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to stop doing this project for that one. And you have no idea if that's the right decision <laughs> like at, at the yeah, end of, of the day, right? Like you, you, you want to do that. You may, you may do it, but... Who knows? There's just you. <laughs> so it's all intuition at the end of the day. I mean, you can run all the numbers you want, but I mean, yeah. there are so many instances of businesses being like having the cards stacked against them, like in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a hail Mary from the CEO like saves them. Yeah. Like, have you heard that story about the, the airline that was bankrupt? And the CEO took the, the last of their money and went to Vegas and like, <laughs> won enough money to keep them for Terrible, <laughs> terrible business idea, but it worked out. Awful, awful. But I, he, I he had the intuition. He was like, I need to try one last thing. <laughs> I'm going to go gamble. <laughs> Did he put it on like 20 sticks or something and he got it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so, the founder of FedEx, actually. I just looked it up. The f- what? Yeah, the last $5,000 they had turned it into thirty two grand by gambling in Vegas. Frederick W. Smith. That's crazy. That yeah. is wild. I've yeah. never heard of that. Okay, but now you just said he followed his intuition. <laughs> well, so is I that think that, that's a scenario where he's like, okay, I know this business is going to work, but we don't have enough money right now. So $5,000 is not going to keep us afloat to make this business work. So it doesn't matter if we have it okay. or not. So I might as well risk it all. One last time. Otherwise, I'm going to go start something else. You know what I mean? So it's a last I ditch mean, effort. It's... And then after that, it's time to cut ties. <laughs> that's a, that's a great that? story. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great story because it worked. But like, oh, totally. <laughs> that story would suck otherwise. Yeah. yeah, well, we wouldn't know FedEx. I mean, shit. My my roommate or works for FedEx, so it's like, really? oh, yeah, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't have a job. Um, I mean, but just, like the, the thing is yeah. though, is that like those types of stories that you hear about, those are the ones that we hear about. There's all there's so many ten, yeah. ten x of those that uh-huh. have failed. Oh, yeah, hundred x exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, that's the yeah. thing that's being conservative. Some, some degenerate who's looked at it like a degenerate because he didn't win, going to the yeah. casino and doing the same thing. Meanwhile, exactly. he's looked at like a hero because he just happened to win. Exactly. Ex- exactly. So it's, <laughs> when it comes it's to like, yeah, I'm to cut you off. When it comes to starting a, a company sometimes, you just hear so many ridiculous stories <laughs> that, that people went through and they're just like, and then like that's how they made it. I mean, like, like I'm telling Chris's, but the the founders of Airbnb they made cereal boxes and they sold cereal to get thirty thousand dollars, and that's how they've got money. No to shit. Go make really? their yeah Obama O's and Captain McCain's. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have never heard of this. So yeah. They were hosting the Democratic and Republican um, 
The caucus? Was it the caucus? It was the Democratic National Convention. So they, they launched their first, like, I think, air bed and breakfast for the Democratic National Convention in okay. Denver. And they got, like, they'd sold out. They did really well for that because, like, people trusted fellow Democrats to stay in a fellow Democrat's house, right? Mm-hmm. But right after the, that convention, everybody left their site and nobody came back. Like, never, nobody ever used it again. So they couldn't get any money. And they had mm. maxed out, like, 20 credit cards, something crazy like that. And so these two, like, I guess, geniuses. <laughs> like, <laughs> again, like, situational, know, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> because of how it ended up, they're geniuses. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, like, they... uh they're like, okay, let's make Captain McCain. <laughs> you know, Bavos. Captain they had a friend that was at, or they, they somehow convinced us, Rhode Island School of Design professor, to make them boxes. And they went and bought cheap cereal from a grocery store, packed them into the, the boxes, and made $30,000. <laughs> like, no fucking way. That's yeah. wild. Wild. I would okay. Have you guys? Maybe you already know the answer, but what do you think an Obama O tastes like? Oh man, freedom. I would think it's like uh, <laughs> freedom. <laughs> it's like a it's like a chocolate uh, Cheerio. It's a chocolate Cheerio. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what it actually was? Is it actually? <laughs> I feel like, like I have no idea actually. I don't, I don't know. What I'm oh, that's great! And the captain. <laughs> I McCain's, feel like it would taste I mean, like Apple Jacks, honestly. Apple Jacks. Yeah. Okay. Apple Jacks. Something a little bit Cheerios. more flavorful. Maybe it was yeah. a surprise in every bite. Ooh, it's like a mystery flavor. <laughs> <laughs> they just mix all of the cheap cereals from Safeway. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, they literally hot glued the boxes together too. Wow. So, that yeah, I'd like to like point out the mentality, like similarities between the FedEx guys and the Airbnb guys. Like, yeah, what an insane, ridiculous idea to try to save something they know is going to work if they just have enough money. Yeah. You know, and like if that serial thing didn't work out, yeah. they would have quit, not because they're quitters, but because that just wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. for the FedEx guy. So, like, I think that's the difference between, like, quitting and just moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. it was that it was so when, uh, so with my mom, she, she, we had, we had a legal grow and we were selling it, but the, the money that was being made in Oregon at that time to dispensaries mm-hmm. wasn't paying for the actual operations because of the size of the grow itself. So, the issue became is that, the money was getting lost, so we had to make an actual physical product, right? Yeah. Because that, that was really where the money was if you're in a small grow because these massive grow operations that were just out-competing everybody on price. And so she, wa- she walked in to a, to a dispensary um, trying to sell her cannabis lotion to them. Okay. And the, the sales rep thought she said cannabis kombucha and became like ecstatic, like really excited to hear that she was selling cannabis kombucha. Oh no. And so she came back kind of sad because she couldn't sell her lotion. Um, and she's like, she thought I had cannabis kombucha. I look at her and I'm like, 
you should just make that. Like, if you can make lotion, you can make kombucha. There's no way that you can't do that. Yeah. We had no idea what kombucha was at that time. Yeah. It was 2016, 15. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, that product would have worked. Like, it was going to be a THC and CBD kombucha. I think it was with matcha. We were going to do a matcha mm. and mate kombucha. Oh, amazing. And I like that. It, I I almost guarantee you that it would have worked. We just couldn't find money, right? Yeah. And we tried for a long time, and eventually, like, we ran the numbers, and, like, we couldn't keep doing it. Yeah. Right? But if we – there was a few moments when we almost got investment that we would have done it, you know? And, like, it was, it was until the very end, until every single one of our credit cards was maxed out, until we literally couldn't pay the heat bill, right? Mm-hmm. That – that's when we're like, okay, we can't do this anymore. But it yeah. wasn't until that moment of we are in massive amounts of debt and we can't pay like any bills anymore that we quit. Yeah. Yeah, that's – well, so that's like the scary side of this mm-hmm. is getting into those massive amounts of debt because, mm-hmm. I mean, debt is like one of those things that's super interesting because it's like what – is I, I i saw i saw um a tiktok the other day i don't know if you guys are on tiktok but it's, a, it's an <laughs> yeah. addiction um, there every now and then yeah yeah, yeah that's for business it's good but for yeah strictly for business strictly for business. Yeah. um but it was it was a tiktok about like how the united states is in trillions of dollars of debt to and people were like to who who are they in debt to and then someone like did like an example, like imagine the United States is this island and this person represents here. And like they did the example and they're like, the thing is no one's in debt to anyone because money is like a, a weird thing, a human construct that doesn't really make sense. But debt motivates people to do stuff, to push forward. Because like when you think about it, owing someone money it's it's it, this is getting really abstract. So I don't know if you're following me, but yeah. And I kind of forgot why I brought the, you, you were talking about the debt, but yeah, I kind of lost what I was going with that. No, I mean, I, I get what you're getting saying. abstract, it, but it's like debt, debt doesn't make sense, right? I mean, and but it sense, still does. It still scares it, people. Yeah, yeah, I think debt is a bigger motivator than sense. surplus. For sure. Like when you say surplus, you mean surplus of like money or like. What? Yeah, I think I think having like that weight on your chest of having debt motivates you more than having a ton of money, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like the yeah, negative which, input is more powerful than the positive input. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Because it feels dangerous. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It has that that sense of danger to it. Like it's gonna completely affect your livelihood, which it and it does. Like it does. It's like a this made up thing, but it's not because we've truly. I've seen people's lives ruined because of debt. Like yeah. they just owe whoever money, and it's just and it they, it wrecks them. So that's the again. I, I think that was the whole thing was going back. It, that's the scary part, and that's what people don't want to take those steps because again, you hear about the FedEx, you hear about the Airbnbs. And you're like, wow, like they took that leap and they did it. But if they didn't do it, what would those people, what would those founders be doing today? Like, would they be still in debt or 
And again, they they were confident in their brand. Like FedEx, he knew like this is a great idea, but so are so many other people. <laughs> and that's the and that's the thing. Like that's the scary part. Now, this is not trying to persuade people to not do stuff because I'm all about. I love taking those risks, and I love when people do. But like, I, think I guess that's, that's honestly when, like, one of like. I think that's one of the the biggest things about these companies is like their founders and how scrappy they are. Like yeah, how it's t- like how no matter t- how, what, how tooth and nail they're willing to become, <laughs> to yeah, truly go. Yeah. yeah, I think they they talk about like the grit factor a lot, right? Yeah. It's like how how gritty are the founders and how willing are they to do everything to try to make it work? And I mean, when it comes to starting something, though, like I think, just try not to get into credit card debt. It's probably like one of the one of the big. The big piece of advice I'd say to probably anybody, right? Like, just do whatever yeah. you can. Just don't get any credit card debt. I mean, I've, I, I did take that advice myself. <laughs> but, uh, like, no, I mean, honestly, I, I, w- I wouldn't say don't ever do it. I would say be smart about it. Like, have a plan. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, credit card and debt, like, if you know how to use it correctly, it can be hugely mm-hmm. beneficial. But I would yes. say don't even listen to me. Just go do, like, heavy research before you take that route. Yeah. We're not financial advisors. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to speak <laughs> on that. I, mean, I just like, want to say, like, like, don't be afraid to, like, take that risk. Just know what you're getting into. And at the same time, it's like, just do it, right? The first mm-hmm. one, if you, if you try something, it might fail. But, like, the my entrepreneurship professor kind of said this. He's like, your first business is your tuition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and the, the life that you can live in that is just more fulfilling. Like, I mean, I think both Chris and I have, have, have felt this, that even though we work a lot and even though it's, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of random stress that come up all the time. We're both very fulfilled in our lives. Like it's, you know, it's, we feel good every day. Yeah. And that's, that's the important part. It's, I mean, I, I wouldn't say good. Yeah, <laughs> I think right. good to service level. It's not objectively yeah. good every day. There's a lot of stress-filled days, yeah. but I think overall we are fulfilled. And I think that's, yeah. a, that's got a, a deeper positive impact than yeah. just good. Like I'd rather have like, like a bunch of really hard days back-to-back but still feel fulfilled than feel good every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, it's good. Yeah, that was a... <laughs> Don't want to, I, I typically try to also steer away from the words good and bad because those are words that don't mean anything to me, really. Um, so that was a good transition <laughs> from, <laughs> a, from away from that word. But yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Like, are you fulfilled? Like, I don't have enough, enough friends at this point who... I mean, they, they complain about their jobs. They, they just aren't fulfilled. They, they go, they wake up knowing that they have to do the stuff. I mean, we've heard the story before. Everyone knows those people. We know that story. And yet it's amazing. People still find themselves doing it. And like, I I was telling you earlier, Chris, like I, I work in the corporate world right now. Um, and it's actually, it's a, it's a great job. It's, it allows me to do, be pretty flexible with my schedule which is awesome and it and it funds i mean it pays really well and i have a lot of great benefits but is it fulfilling no 
No, but that's why I, I pursue this podcast. That's why I pursue um, tea stuff is because that stuff does give me like a reason. It gives me, I feel passionate about it. I love learning about teas and I love talking with you guys and talking with other guests and, and stuff. And that to me, it's like, okay, I'm using my nine to five as a way to fund these things that in hopes that these are investments that will take off at some point too. So that's, I kind of try to take a mindset shift. Even if you're in a situation and you just don't, you feel stuck. It's like, take a little mindset shift and think about like your nine to five, let's say as a way of a path. It's, it's your path right now towards something else, but also pursue that other thing. You got to put in with the work that, like you said, it's going to probably be, take a lot more work, but it's worth it because you feel fulfilled. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, I'm, like, it's really cool to see when people are able to, to balance having like, you know, a full-time job with a passion project, like an entrepreneurial passion project. I think that's really cool to see because, I mean, I'm sure we've all got lots of friends who are very comfortable in their jobs and they've got this you know, very complacent routine and they want more, but they're not willing to make any risks or like time commitments or financial commitments at all. So, yeah, you know, those, those are frustrating to see and hear about. It's really nice to, to see when people can find the balance between the two. And it's inspiring to see when people just completely bail on the comfort and like go, <laughs> go like full speed into the, yeah. the abyss. Right. But yeah, it's... that can be scary. I mean, I understand why people don't want to do it, especially, you know, if you if you have that nice, you know, comfortable, predictable, like financial, um, you know, predictability right there. It's like really hard mm-hmm. to leave that. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I, I think that's cool that you guys. Right. You guys did this right out of college. So there was no. No, yeah, so we, real, we haven't like, really had was, you were pursuing like, this corporate jobs we we skipped that you know i got my degree in finance and another degree in entrepreneurship my minor and i was like interviewing for for jobs at financial firms and oh i just remember the existential dread like dripping off of me as i would walk out of those interviews (laughs) (laughs) it was just i knew it was never going to be for me so for me it was kind of it was an easy choice at the end of the day Mm. i made it difficult but it was always easy yeah. If that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, I I remember the I think there was maybe six months in to when we started this. I got a full time offer from a company called Bitrix. Okay. And it, it was uh I mean it was a pretty obvious decision at that point. But it was like pursue what 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 this is and what we can do because mm-hmm. at the end of the day the, the amount that we're learning from this every every moment and the whole time is it's incredible yeah and super valuable in both our careers and and personally yeah yeah i think actually I think the, the, um, yeah. forgetting about one really important thing that happened that was transformative in like the deep thought that it provoked we used yeah. to we used to kind of work with this this woman named Corinne, and okay. well, we don't work with her anymore. And the project that we were kind of working on her on with her uh, didn't really come to fruition. She 
She pushed us to try to vividly imagine where we were going to be in five years. You know, not, not a casual interview style question, where do you see yourself in five years? But like, hey, take time, take some real, real time and write down every single detail of this date five years from now. Like who yeah. you are as a person, where you're waking up, what your bedroom looks like, you know, where are you walking out into the morning? Like, what does your day look like? Who are you with? Who's mm. around you? Where are you living? Like everything. You know, what have you done? Mm. Who are you? And like really run through that and see, see what makes you happy and what doesn't. And like write it down. Yeah. And personally, that was hugely beneficial because so she gave us that prompt right before we went and took that sabbatical where we kind of split up and, you know, pondered what we wanted to do with our lives. And yeah. having those questions ringing in my ears was, you know, how I came to my decision, you know, Mm -hmm. during travels just kind of kept a journal and would boil boil down all these ideas I had you know started with like multiple pages and kind of boiled down to like principles that I wanted to carry through, throughout my life and the main things I yeah. wanted to look at myself in the mirror in five years and be proud of yeah I mean that that exercise is incredibly powerful yeah I mean yeah she uh she she was probably my first like real mentor mm. and we uh very smart woman we were working on a, a custom meal planner app um and both chris and i started to to work with her on that app itself um and we decided to to work on that uh instead of do the drink as our main focus kind of start with the app itself um, and she, before we were working with her, where it was really just, she's like, you figure out what you want out of life and take time to, to really sit there and, and to visualize it and to kind of understand. And I remember one question too, that she asked was, if you actually had a million dollars right now, what would you do? And, and she's like, right down. And think yeah. about it, exactly what you would do. Because, I mean, it really is a fascinating question. It is. Like, um, and by the end of, we, of us working with her, even though we didn't keep working with her, uh, she really made us think about what we wanted mm. in, in a lot of different interesting ways. Mm -hmm. um, that project just was moving a little bit too slow. And so that caused both Chris and I to, to go out and try to figure out what we wanted out of everything, uh, out of life. And that's when we stopped basically being in contact for a few months. Yeah. And I almost got a job as a financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you wrote down when you asked, <laughs> when she asked the uh, question, if you had a million dollars, be a financial advisor? <laughs> it was so bad. I, it was in Portland. So I drove all the way. They, they, they got me a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, like I was interviewed on the on the campus. And, I mean, I, I remember talking to my brother, and my brother's like, like, yeah, you like Portland, but you're gonna be miserable doing that job." <laughs> yeah. And he's right. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> oh man, that's. I think about these things a lot. Like I, I try to, 
do morning meditations every every day. I'm not not perfect at it, but I I take that time to really think about what I'm doing in life, like in what and what I'm pursuing, and is it really giving me energy and giving me life, or is it not? And something that a guy, a really close friend of mine, who he's he's older older than me, and he started his own company and great just he's kind of like a mentor to me as well and someone i just look up to and he he told me he's like when you're in something he's like take a or he's like not even when you're in something when you, whatever like your day is take either a mental or like a literal note of everything you do throughout the day and put a little either plus or minus next to it and what that plus or minus means is is it like charging my battery of life or is it sucking me or is it like basically sucking the energy out of me and at the end of the day review that and then as the weeks go on you just review those and then you can start to see the patterns in your in your routines and you're like okay these are the things i need to pursue more of and these are the things that i need to maybe figure out a way of letting go like whether it's a job whether it's a person maybe whether it's a whatever it is those those are the things that you quit and that to me was a kind of a, a, a powerful exercise I've done I never actually physically did it but like in my mind I every time like I make mental notes of things after I'm done with like a conversation or a project or a sales call or something I make a mental note like where, okay, how do I feel like right now at this exact moment? How do I feel? And if I feel down, I make a mental note of that. If I feel energized and motivated, make a mental note of it. That's been a power, like I said, it's been powerful for me. I like that. So do you do that every day? No. (laughs) 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 But I I did it for a while. I did it for a while. I love that. That that now... I'm conscious to those things, but, and, and the, and maybe there's someone who could listen to this and be like, well, is that confirmation bias now? Like, because you don't want to do something, are you just feeling that like, oh, I don't want to do this. So now I'm in a bad mood. But I would argue that like when you get lost, like in the, like, for example, when I do these podcasts and I get lost in these conversations and when we wrap up this thing, no matter like how long the conversation, like I've had like three and a half hour long conversations that of sitting in a chair, not going to the bathroom and just like, I should feel kind of crappy afterwards. And I feel great. Like, I feel like I'm ready to go. Like sometimes I go and I just immediately go work out. Like I just, I get get to move and stuff. Sometimes I'm like, I drive for an hour to a customer and have a conversation and come back. And it's like maybe the same exact three and a half hours. And I'm just, drained and i'm just like ugh, i feel gross like i feel like i just want to get home and i just want to like sit on the couch watch tv not even do anything and i'm like okay like there's those noticeable differences where maybe i was sitting on my ass doing like for three and a half hours in both situations but one of them left me feeling energized ready to go take on day the other one left me feeling unmotivated and ready to just kind of be like, eh, I'll exist right now. 
and like that's where i've kind of come i've fallen into those yeah i mean it is the, the awareness of it right yeah and the awareness of it to like the and the, to the willingness to take action on that that's the big part you can be aware but if you're not going to take any action there's no point in doing the practice really I mean, it's hard. <laughs> like, I think, it is. Yeah. I think every single day I do something that I'm like, I didn't need to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's then, nice when you catch yourself I, in the, the act day. and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it right now. And yet, and yet I still do it. It's like TikTok. Like I'm telling you, man, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get lost in it for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, okay, what are, what are you doing? Like, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's how you know, like time is really super variable. Like when you're, you're on TikTok for 30 minutes and it's like, okay, that felt like it was maybe a couple minutes. But then you yeah. sit and meditate and you're like, this feels like it's kind of long. <laughs> 30 minutes feels very like different. Five minutes feels long. <laughs> yeah, dude. Five, yeah. Oh, some days I, can, I can't sit for more than like two minutes. I get all antsy, yeah. my meditations, which, and then there's other days, yeah, you just get like lost in it, which actually I wanted to talk to you guys about, Chris, we were talking about this before. Your Vipassana, right? Trip? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you guys want to, yeah. You guys want to explain a little bit about what that is for people who don't know? Sure. Um, so Vipassana, I think the meaning is seeing things as they actually are. That's what it means. And okay. the goal is to, to rid, rid people of misery through basically purifying their mind by getting rid of cravings and aversions, both of which lead to attachments. And that is basically like the core behind Vipassana, like what, what the goal is there. And according to the teachings, this was how, you know, um, Gautama Buddha found enlightenment under his tree. And the experience itself was, uh, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations going into it, honestly, because I knew it was going to be something that you shouldn't have expectations for. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was wildly intense, very powerful. I mean, so many benefits to be realized, and it was also extremely difficult. So many of my friends, as I was going in, you know, viewed it as something more relaxing. Like, oh, you're going on like a, like a, a meditation retreat. Ooh, like have fun doing your yoga yeah, and, or whatever. And give the details of like what this is exactly. Cause it's like 10 days of silence, right? So 10, well, so it's nine days of silence on halfway through the 10th day. They, they allow you to start talking to one another so you can kind of cushion the blow of reality when you leave on the 11th day, <laughs> which is valuable. I mean, like yeah. you forget how to converse yeah. with people. And it's very evident on the 10th day when you start talking to one another and like the cadence is off, like nobody really knows what to talk about, but every <laughs> single person wants to talk so much. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> talking over one another. They're like, Oh, oh my God, that was crazy. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's 10 hours a day, 10 hours a day of meditation. And every day they kind of, you know, add or change the methods slightly to get you to okay. the, the, the actual core of Vipassana practice and you leave the, the course essentially with, with a good idea of what it is to practice Vipassana and then you're supposed to practice it daily, essentially for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. That's and, and revisit for 10 hours a day, every, year every day. So. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That, uh, it doesn't sound 
uh, possible <laughs> for me. I, maybe for- I mean it's it's so, it's it's possible if that's what you want to do. Exactly. Right. Like yep. I mean, there's so from the this somebody I met, their dad was doing a three year long meditation where he was in his room and his wife would bring him food and he would just meditate always. Right. Three years. And like, yeah, I mean, he was like, you know, he was in his sixties or seventies and that was, I don't care uh, how old you are. (laughs) But I mean, what I'm saying though is like, he, he kind of, he did his life, he did his career and he's just like, I'm going to try to essentially find enlightenment in a sense. Yeah. Because that's kind of where he's at. And so (laughs) I said that you can do the 10 hours a day, but that's your life, you know, every day. Yeah. I should also clarify that the teacher asking us to follow Vipassana outside of the course does not mean total mm-hmm. silence and it does not mean 10 hours a day. Their expectations are that right you live now. your normal life <laughs> and you meditate for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, which is still a lot. It's a lot I don't have lot. any intention yeah. of doing two hours of meditation a day, every day. Yeah. How, what, what are you, I was actually going to ask you this. How, many, how much meditation are you doing now? 30 minutes. When I have 30 minutes in the morning? Yeah, I'm trying to dial in the rest of my day and then ma- like carve out time for meditation. I would like to be doing 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening with periodic yeah. longer stints. But yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to justify it until you do it and then right after you do it, you're really glad you did it. Mm. It can organize your day. Yeah. If you do it, if you do it in the mornings, almost like you can, you, your day just becomes more productive. And I mean, the cravings that we were talking about, right? Like all the different things that we do throughout our day that we ourselves don't agree with. Like I think meditation is a really powerful tool to not do those. Mm. Cause like there's a, I just finished like a book of like the seven habits of a high effective person. Right. And, he has one quote in it where it's, I, I'm not, I'm going to not get this quote right, but it's essentially like you have a break in your mind between, uh, between action and thought or thought and action. Okay. So instead of actually just immediately reacting to everything, you think about that decision and then you might not do that actual action that came from that thought. Yeah. Right. And so I think meditation allows that and strengthens that. So mm-hmm. you don't actually just do something immediately. Instead, you have like a split moment to think I shouldn't do that. And then you don't. Mm. Yeah. And that's something nice. that the Vipassana sharpens. That's actually the mm-hmm. main focus in practice of Vipassana, and that's how you're supposed to manage your cravings and aversions. So on the fourth day, I believe, is when you switch from basically intro to Vipassana to actual Vipassana, and you, mm, okay. you're required to sit perfectly still for two hours and basically scan your entire body from head to toe, feeling it everything focusing really hard on every single square inch of your entire body and you know your knees hurt your back hurts you want to move you get antsy you've got itches on your face you've got you know cramps in your feet you got 
One time I yeah. even had a spider on my face. And really, you are just training your mind to assess this, the, that sensation that you're feeling and understand that it's a sensation and you ha actually don't need to do anything about it. And it, it's like detaching yourself from that sense of I and mine. Like this is not my yeah. sensation, this is transitory. Everything is constantly changing. So when I'm ready for this to change or if, it, if it's ready to leave, like there's an arc of experience, it'll just disappear. So yeah. you sit there and you focus on how bad your knees hurt and how bad your back hurts, how bad your neck hurts, how bad you want to move, and you just sit with it. Hmm. It's a lot of mental strength. That's, I mean, just that, that fortitude to be able to do that. Like I said, I mean, I think the longest I've sat for a meditation in the morning is like 30 minutes. And yeah, like you said, it's like, my, all of a sudden I notice like I'm in the position and my feet fall asleep mm -hmm. and then like I just like lose all sensation in my feet and it's just like oh you just and usually I just give up I'm like oh, alright I'll just think it's time I think that's a sign that I need to move yeah <laughs> and then I do but to, for two hours like oh man that's did you do anything to prep for that like to train yourself or did you just go into you just went into it well so I knew, I knew just enough about Vipassana from, you know, Ari's stories and my, my buddy Chris's stories that I, I knew there was no amount of preparation I could do that would actually prepare me for what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like if I had my own meditation practice at home, which I did like moderately, moderate meditation, I would do like 20 minutes here and there, like maybe three times a week. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing the same type of meditation I'm not focusing on the same things. My mind's not being stressed out in the same ways. And there's no way I'm going to be able to prepare myself for 10 hours a day under a completely different philosophy. And I'm not going to sit on my own volition at home and practice sitting for two hours straight without moving. Yeah. So no, I didn't do any preparation. And the people I talked to after the retreat who did a lot of preparation said that their preparation was in vain, actually. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, can, I can agree with that. Like... The, I, at one point in my life, I got super into like home meditation yeah, and started reading about Zen and that all the other practices and spent a few days at Thai monastery and, and then I came back and still didn't really have meditation practice. I was still practicing quite a bit, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes a day. And then I went and did this have a positive retreat yeah. and it just kicked my ass <laughs> like in every single mental way right and then I talked to people at the end and most of them hadn't done any prep work and I'm like honestly everything that I did did absolutely nothing <laughs> like doesn't matter yeah yeah no, I mean my advice and, would be and, don't and, think and, about it until you're there yeah if you're signing up for a Vipassana course and you know it's coming just don't think about it. Just, you know, live a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't go out and drink a bunch like leading up to it. Don't like, you know, yeah. abuse yourself leading up to it. Yeah. Show up with Prepare good yourself and like, yeah. But like, don't overthink it because whatever you think is going to happen is going to be, you know, so different than what you could possibly imagine. Yeah, man, that's, uh, you guys are like the third or fourth people I know who've done this. My brother did it. He was the first person to tell us about it. And uh, I say us, my family. And just a, 
yeah, just very, very wild. Some of like the things that he would share, like that like went through his mind for like the first couple of days of just like the people he would like that would like come through his mind and like just the thoughts and just like the conversations, like it would bring up stuff that he never really like even consciously thought about for a, for a while and just really transformative. So it sounds like it's a super cool practice to try, but man, like you said, it's just a challenge it's it's a challenge but i i'm all about those i think those are those are really cool and they're something that people need to experience yeah and who knows what you'll learn from it yeah i would say like it felt it felt like an internal spiritual surgery but like a cataract surgery like like your your view of yourself internally has been clouded by your experience and like like judgment based on like other people's actions or opinions and you know just as is life and like all of that clutters in the form of a cataract on your inner lens and this practice is essentially scraping away all of that gunk on like your internal cornea but it's a wild Mm. process and it's not painless i mean i had multiple (laughs) days that were i would say like catastrophically stressful internally from from the outside you know you look completely calm because you're walking slowly back and forth not speaking you're sitting very still enjoying the nature but internally everybody is screaming at the top of their lungs yeah yeah there's the what you said about your brother having these experiences of just things you didn't think about there's this what i had a dream one night during the vipassana where I, I played baseball in my high school and okay. I ended up not keep, keep on playing and I was kind of going to maybe play in college and there was this guy who two years younger than me essentially beat me up and I hadn't thought about high school baseball in a very long time and then mm-hmm. this dream I'm in my baseball uniform I'm on my high school field and I go up to this guy and I say, I'm sorry for the actions that I took with you. I should have tried to foster your relationship and build you as a player. And he visibly was shocked I did that. Mm-hmm. And then backed up and was like, it's all right. And then I woke up just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? But it felt like this massive weight just got lifted off me. Mm. That I had been like, I had done wrong to that person. And in my spiritual, in my own head, I said, I am sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about dreams? And like, in that sense, when do you think that's, (laughs) this is is maybe a big question. Um, So so in Vipassana, the dreams that you have at night are like, you can't possibly imagine. It's like a whole nother life. Really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I'm curious about that. But yeah, I'll finish the the first question. Was like, this has been a conversation between me and my friends about like when you have like a dream with someone else, like this this guy that you said you confronted in baseball uh, from high school. Do you think? And this is just strictly hypothetical. I, I mean, we we don't know. But do you think that night that guy? also had a dream about like you were in his dream maybe not the exact same dream but like you were in his dream in some sense 
It's it is funny you say that. I mean, I've thought about that a lot, and I yeah. I thought I because of because of the feeling that I had after that happened. Yeah, where I literally felt like he felt me saying that to him. Yeah, and it alleviated some sort of mental like weight off of myself. I felt like he had received that apology. Mm. And <laughs> I mean, I have absolutely no idea, right? Of course, <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that's you know? the thing. So you don't but like, like, I, I don't, I don't really believe in anything. I do mm. believe in a sense that there's like, and everything is connected in a weird way. And I don't really know what that means even. And that there's an energy that does connect like everything. Yeah. Now, did he feel that? I have no idea. Is he still playing baseball? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, he's, I he's, do know he's, that. he's in the pros now, I think. So, like. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, <laughs> was my apology the reason they made to the pros? Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. Like, we're going to claim that. I'll, I'll give that to you, man. <laughs> it really, maybe he had, like, the best game of his life or, well, was this prior to him becoming a pro? Yeah, um, this is prior, I think. Okay, yeah. so yeah, maybe I, I think that your apology set him free, broke his chain so that he could, uh, <laughs> or your forgiveness, I guess. Yeah, I should yeah. Apology. Um, no, yeah, because the only time I've really experienced something like that, it was after my, um, I had a breakup in 2018, and I'm, it wasn't like cheating, but like, the my my girlfriend at the time left for a guy who like I was suspicious of and I was like super hurt obviously but I had a dream like three months after like the official breakup where it was me and those two like my ex and her new boyfriend sitting at like dinner and having just a great time and I remember like stopping the conversation and being like hey we're good like we're all cool that's cool. And I woke up and I felt great. Like I was like, it was like the first time where I was like, oh, I am cool. Like this is good. <laughs> this was a good thing. And like that, that dream sticks with, like stuck with me for forever. Yeah. And like, I was just very curious. Like I've had those before. Really, that was like the only one I've had like that. But it's interesting that you kind of bring up that as well. Cause it's just a thought. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it, it means. Like maybe I mean, it's just me getting over it, but yeah. That that all perfectly ties back into the vipassana as well because yeah the like the whole the whole philosophy is like trying to accept the impermanence of everything and mm. being okay with the idea of the transitory nature of everything you know in the physical emotional and mental realm so like you know, breakups a perfect example like oh I yeah. thought this was gonna be forever like things are changing like you've changed I've changed that person has changed yep. that you're now seeing. This has all changed and it hurts. But when you, when you have those moments of clarity, like you did in your dream, where you understand, yeah. oh, this has nothing to do with me. Like we are all just mm -hmm. like, like they can do, like they're happy and I am perfectly capable of being happy right now. I am just like clinging on to this, this idea of yeah. permanence that never was there to begin with. And once you let that go and you realize, oh, these are actually great people. You know, things just didn't work out in, 
in regard to like that specific connection. Yeah. Like, yeah. And not reacting to that, you know, letting go of that, you know, that attachment is God, it's so liberating. Yes. Being able to move through something that's potentially traumatic without actually reacting to it. Yeah. That's a super powerful thing to understand is letting go and being able to realize, I think it's like not taking it personally, like taking, letting things go that aren't personal and, or just realizing that it's not personal and that people are all good and just, we're all working through this. And yeah, like you said, not everything is meant to be forever. Yeah. And also like restructuring that idea of, of personal, like, yeah, because that's, you know, that's go, egocentric yeah, and go, trying to go dissolve that. that is difficult, but that's, I think that those are mm. coming from the same place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know, but you, so, okay. So you said that going back that the dreams in Vipassana are unlike anything you've experienced. What, what did you mean by that? Um, so there was a point like in the middle of the 10 days where I had a hard time distinguishing reality from dreams, from meditation. Like it would come and go, but there's, there's this one instance where I took a nap around, I think it was lunchtime. So you have like, you know, like an hour, two hours for lunch to kind of rest because it, you know, it is taxing. And I took a quick nap. And I woke up because I was going to go see the instructor. You know, I had a couple questions for him. When I woke up, I was still like very much in dream state. And I was walking around the grounds, like trying to look at flowers and like speak to the professor. And I could not distinguish whether this was a dream or not until like, you know, an hour and a half later, I, I figured out that I was actually in real life. And I think they're just, they're all so similar, especially when you're meditating a lot, like very diligently and your, your yeah. brain is just on, like it's just flowing, which is what leads to the crazy dreams. Like the, I think your brainwaves just kind of, they line up through, you know, those different states. So they start to feel closer and closer, you know, between dream reality and meditation. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I just remember that I never felt like I was even sleeping at the end there. <laughs> like it was mm. like, I was just yeah. thought I was meditating and then I was meditating with like these crazy things that were happening in my head. <laughs> I remember waking like, up and was, feeling like so I had real. just had a they full were, day. Yeah. Waking up and already feeling tired. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, cause you're dreaming. Like it felt like I was dreaming literally as soon as I shut my eyes until I woke up. Yeah. And they're so lucid. They're just yeah. yeah. You are you are fully in the dream, and you're fully doing whatever is happening in your dream. Hmm. That's fascinating and kind of horrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's honest, it was really cool. I thought like every one of those dreams I had, they were just crazy. Like I still remember a lot of them. Like in the last really? time I did that was yeah three years ago. Yeah. Oh man. Whoa. Yeah. I don't remember. And I don't remember dreams at all. Like my dreams, is, I wake up and I have a crazy dream and I have a lot of crazy dreams, but 
Yeah. And I, I don't remember it. So I think I had a crazy one last night, and I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember yeah. that I had back-to-back nightmares the first three days. Yeah, I was going to ask think. about like nightmares, if that's a thing that comes up. Yeah, so I, I had vivid nightmares, and I would wake up in the middle of the, the night to go to the restroom and just feel like I was about to be attacked. Like somebody mm. was in my room <clears throat> just waiting for me. And it was weird. I mean, I, I didn't react to it. It's not like I like went and hit or like went and talked to some or like went and grabbed somebody. But I went and talked to the teacher the next day. And he said that that's actually like super common. Having vivid nightmares. Some people don't even sleep toward the end of the course. Yeah. Because really? the meditations are so intense. Yeah, I've heard that. Huh. Well, why, why is it, do you guys think? I mean, yeah, maybe your a lot brain of is on. It's like, just imagine like, like gears spinning so hot that they're just like, that they're white with heat. Okay. Like, yeah. And you lay down in bed and you're just wide awake because your brain is like, it's just, it's just going. It's running on super high RPMs and you've just been with your thoughts. So your internal dialogue is very vivid, like very loud. And all your brain has been wanting to do is think freely all day, but you've been stopping it because you're meditating. So you lay down to go to sleep and your brain is like, here are all these thoughts. Like every thought that I've been trying to feed you, like I know I have a loudspeaker right now, so I'm just going to like inundate you with, mm. with, you know, thoughts about the past, thoughts about the future, thoughts about what's going on right now. So yeah, yeah I could see how that would really like impair some people's sleep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's all right for me at least the the hardest points of that retreat I mean that vipassana was when I wasn't meditating the hmm. the meditation was what I almost craved at the end in a sense because when I wasn't I was allowing my my brain and my thoughts to go and because that's like a big break you know like you're not meditating so I'm gonna let my brain go. And that was when my crazy thoughts came into my head. And then I just allowed it to go to places that, or it just goes to places that you're probably uncomfortable with. Yeah. And like, and so the only time that I could sleep was when I was essentially meditating while I was sleeping. Interesting. So is that like when you say, I guess, meditating, is that, like going back to like what you're saying, like doing the body scans or is that, so you're actively honing in, I guess, or like, yeah, bringing in your mind to think like in the present instead of letting it do its thing and wander and just like you actually had to hone in and just focus on what it is. Yeah. And just, I mean, that the idea is like you're feeling the sensations in your body, right? So you feel every sensation because you yeah. are, that's actually happening right then and there, right? And so you're going up and down your body just, just feeling rather than thinking in a sense. And mm. you're, not, you're, not, you're not upset whether you feel it or not. And so yeah. you're, you're actively practicing being present and experiencing presence, right? Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's so powerful about that meditation. Is yeah you can you have an experience that you're feeling it right instead of just trying not to think yeah right and so you're not you're in a sense distracting yourself 
but you're also just allowing yourself to also constantly remember impermanence that that feeling happens and now it's gone and that's okay yeah yeah it's actually it reminds me of i just heard a quote from alan watts and it was about how meditation basically tomorrow never exists and the only true act of meditation is when you're thinking or living in the present. So like focusing on, like you said, like what's happening right here, right now. If you're thinking about anything in the past or in the future, that's not meditate. That's not meditation. That's not like the only true act of meditation is living here and now. And I've been trying to think like that, like in my morning meditations, but it sounds like that's kind of like what Vipassana is and does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lifetime's practice, right? I mean, like, <laughs> try not to think of the past and try to think of down the future. Yeah, I mean, right? even I, outside of meditation. I, yeah. I think of it like sometimes as like my parents or older, the older generation in general, like, there was, there's this idea that we are addicted to our phones, like, mm-hmm. younger people in general kind of are, right? And that, that's, not, that's not a wrong statement. Like, what I've also noticed, though, too, is that, in a sense, we're almost less addicted to some of the older generation because we have grown up with these things, and we know that they're not really that good for us. And so, mm-hmm. we, like, like okay, I don't need to, I want, I'm going to put that away, right? Yeah. When, like, people who all of a sudden were thrown in these phones that are super addictive, they can't get off of them and like that's all they, they use and like that's like their livelihoods in a sense. And I don't know what I was going with that, but <laughs> I would actually disagree with that. I think I think the the newer generations don't know better. I mean, I think from like a very surface level, they understand that yeah, it's not good. But that doesn't mean they're actually going to like unplug from their phones. Yeah, totally. I think older generations, you know, they understand what life is without a phone and they remember, which is why they don't get sucked into it as much. I think yeah. it's why yeah, holding fall. a phone, u- using my phone for yeah. the first time after the meditation retreat felt so alien. I was thinking about it while I was there. <clears throat> that 10 days of complete complete isolation from technology in my phone was the longest I've gone in 17 years. Which is crazy to think about. I mean, think about the last time you did not have a cell phone or any electronic communication and how long that was. Yeah. I know I was... 17 years. I actually, it's funny, I was thinking about this yesterday because I listened to... There's a Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Michael Easter. I don't know if you guys listen to that or or know who he is, but he, they were talking. This guy, he's like a he works for Men's Health and is a writer and wrote some books. But he did a an elk hunt in the Arctic and or Arctic is that right? Yeah, up north. And uh, he was left alone in the middle of the Arctic for three hours, four hours. And all he had to do was sit there with his thoughts. Like the, the guy, like his guide that he was with, like was going out and doing something. 
and all he was left to do was just be there. And he was talking about that kind of like, yeah, obviously there was no service out there. He had nothing. So he just was left to sit and just think and just be there. Um, and it got me thinking, he was talking about like how like, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. And it got me thinking, I'm like, yeah, like when's the last time? Like I truly, truly, truly disconnected. And even if I wanted to, I could not reach anybody. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life that I've ever like truly been isolated to the point where no one could find me. I could not reach out to anybody. Like I would, I'm gone. I'm truly gone from the world. I don't know if there's ever been. And so it sounds yeah. like that's kind of gives you that sense. Like where it's like, I don't know if you, obviously you probably have access to your phones. If need be, you can find them, but it's still, it's not, it's, that's like right there and oh, bizarre. Yeah. It, it was interesting to kind of hit that reset button mm-hmm. in such a way that you realize how alien and intrusive these pieces of technology actually are when you come back in contact mm. with them. Mm-hmm. Because by the end of the 10 days, you know, you don't do that, you know, hand graze over your pockets to make sure your phone's there. You're not looking for your phone. You're not thinking about social media or your phone or your texts. Like it's completely gone from your mind. Like you've mm. been cleansed completely. And then they give you your phone back. And you hold this weird little nightmare box, this rectangle of darkness. And it switches back on and the screen is so bright on your eyes. It's so alien. It's so unnatural. Yeah. And all yeah, these little like icons start bleeping and blooping. And you're like, oh my God, this is, this is so unnatural. And it has been a part of me, like, like an actual like appendage for 17 years. Seriously. Yeah. We are, we're cyborgs at this point. Like, yeah, it's we my, are it's second one. brain. Like my, this brain doesn't have to do much because it's got that. No, no that's why I like to play the game just to, to keep myself like, this is my mind. I like to play the game. Like when people have questions or yeah. don't um, Google it. Like, yeah, I'm like, Hey, don't tell me, give us 10 minutes to figure it out. We can't figure it out by then we can Google it. And some people play it along and others are like, no, it's fucking stupid. I can figure it out right now. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, then don't tell me with, the answer. I want to play. I did that with Google Maps yesterday. I was trying to go to my buddy Colin's house. And I was like, don't text me your address. I don't remember where you live, but I'm going to try to figure it out. I but want I'm, brain to work. I love doing that. I love, yeah. I love just driving this it's video. It's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm going to piece it together and make this thing actually <laughs> kick for once. Yeah. You know, like you see, all of a sudden you see like the, the tree or the house that like, you recognize. Like, okay. Yeah. On the right path, somewhere so in this area. It's like a scavenger hunt. Whereas like, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years ago, that would have been just so easy. They're like, yeah, I remember exactly where you live. Cause that's how my brain works. Like you have to do that. Otherwise you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But, but now it's like, oh my God, I remembered a thing. I remembered that other thing. Look at me go. Yeah. Hmm. That's, <laughs> that's kind of an interesting thought of like how people are evolving. And if we're losing some sort of memory, like pathways, because we're so we we can just pick up our phone and get an answer real quick. I wonder if yeah. that's like a thing that's that's studied like and actually like there's some science to back that because yeah, it makes oh, sense. Sure. There is this yeah. uh, taxi drivers, I guess have and probably Uber drivers. Maybe a lot of Uber drivers don't even use. Um, I mean, just use only maps now. But that they showed that there's a part of their brain 
because that's a really important part of your brain that's fully developed within taxi drivers because of the fact that they know spatial awareness in general. Yeah. so much better than normal people. Mm-hmm. And so they like, they activated this one part of the brain that's just not really active in most people anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes me want to stop using my Google Maps. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's just like you know, you have people, you have a lot of people that say that they're bad directions now. It's because they choose not to care about directions now, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, but the thing, the thing that I'm always kind of curious about this stuff too is like, does that mean we're losing parts of our brain, or does it mean that we're just developing others? Right. Exactly. Because yeah. now we have tools that we don't have to do. We don't have to use. We don't have to figure out directions. So does that mean yep. that we're developing like that person is a designer and now can develop his designing half of his brain more? Mm. Like that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, because you're not spending the energy on on that task because you don't need to anymore. So leave space to be more creative and utilize another part of your brain or it's fast. I don't know. There's pros and cons to, to it all, right? Brains are fascinating. The fact that we, we don't understand it really. And do you ever like think about, slightest. yeah. Do you ever like think about thinking about the brain and then you're like, Oh, I'm using my brain to think about it. <laughs> And sorry, hold on one second. <laughs> Damn, sorry. That's Had to nice. sign for a package. Um, yeah, we got like to wrap up in the next few minutes. So we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we just got a, an urgent um, request for delivery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How like when you say next few minutes, meaning like like five now? minutes, ten, so. fifteen minutes. You say five? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> five to 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, can, we can wrap it up whenever. So, I mean, I guess given that we are now a little short on time, I don't really know. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> it's because uh, like. Um, should we wrap it up with a, a little bit more about the company? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, give yourself. I mean. I guess what, um, yeah, what's, what are we like, what are you guys like working on? Like what's kind of like the, the thoughts of, are you guys working on any cool projects, any ideas of things that you can talk about like right now or? Oh uh, yeah. So we're, uh, we're moving into our first co-manufacturing partnership. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Partnering with somebody nice. down in Utah, we're going to have them basically run all of our manufacturing and taking that off of our hands. So this is kind of a big moment for us. Where we move from, you know, basically running the whole company to narrowing our scope as founders and, you know, being able to focus our energy, which is like super exciting. Sounds so nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because so you're saying like right now you're literally packaging everything by hand and labeling and shipping. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. I I applaud you guys for that because that's a... true endeavor i've talked with enough tea companies now and uh but i feel like that's like the proper first step in these things you get you get a good understanding of your your customer base then you get just it gives you that hands-on experience where now you can translate that 
And then you're going to appreciate having that time to focus on marketing, focus on sales, focus on whatever advancements in the in the company. Yeah. So it felt like a necessary step. I think it was really it was yeah. good that we had to get acquainted very intimately with our product and the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we are really looking forward to having somebody else take care of it. <laughs> I yeah, bet I can imagine. At this point, we we just which still just Chris and I really we have we have some interns and we have some consultants, but at the end of the day, it's pretty much just us, and we just have to be so careful with where we put our time, and it's yeah. it's just turning into this this process of we should try to just sell it, right? Like that should be like our jobs is just selling this dang product for sure. It, I mean, it, it's, it is a very easy product to sell, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works. It makes you feel really good. It gives you a lot of energy. Mm, it's not. Yeah. It's not overbearing. Yeah, I know. I, th- I for sure. I, I want to try your guys's matcha because I just uh, having matcha alone, having cordyceps alone, and then vitamin B is just amazing. Um, but having like those other things makes me feel incredible. So like the combo. I feel it can be very, very nice. And the 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 color too. Where do you guys actually yeah, where do you source your matcha from? Japan. Japan? Do you, like where exactly do you know? Um I don't remember the name of the actual uh district, but it's a heritage. Okay. What's yeah. the name of it? Shizoko. Okay. I, I don't I don't know much. Yeah. Um about the specific like farms or, or regions, but that's good. Obviously that's good that it's Japan. I talk a lot about that too, where make sure people, I always tell people, make sure you're not getting Chinese matcha. It's not, the, not the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we've heard. Yeah. Essentially if, if you're getting matcha, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just don't get it from, uh, don't get it from China. That's pretty much the only piece of advice that we ever get. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where are, I mean, we we feel very lucky with our supplier. I mean, they have a they have an office in Seattle, and they all get it from. It's a it's a family run operation. Nice. They uh, they just get some of the best matcha that we've ever tasted and ever seen, really. Okay. Yeah, that is like again the color. That's that's like the now having experienced a decent number of matchas, you can tell real quick on like the quality just based on the color and like it's just what you were drinking today chris looked so dark and so like just rich and looked really good looked like it was a yeah it was good what do you guys do you guys make lattes at all or um i'm not really uh one to make myself a latte but there's a couple cafes in seattle that carry our stuff and when i go in there every now and then i'll get a latte cool yeah yeah what about you ari uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm one of those people that will just drink black coffee and straight same, tea. Same. I don't really, I've always kind of been like that. I don't know. It's, it, it, I, I do appreciate a latte and it's nice, but that's mm-hmm. a rare occasion where I kind of want something sweet. Yeah. 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 I feel you there. But oh, cool. I, uh, I mean, a good, a good matcha latte is delicious. Yeah. I gotta say. 
Oh, it, it really is. It really is. You get yeah. a good milk. I made <laughs> I made a, a matcha latte. It was disgusting. I made it with heavy whipping cream. Cause it was, and I shouldn't say I made it. My girlfriend, she was over and she made it because I don't have any like milk. I just don't drink much milk. Um, yeah, right. And so I had, that, <laughs> I had that for like a recipe and, and she tried it and I was like, she's like, oh, this isn't good. I was like, I tried it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's not. I'm like, I'll just make more matcha and like cancel it out. And it just, it wouldn't go away. It was so bad. It was, it was the worst thing I've ever, and I just like made more matcha and it just, I like wasted three cups of good matcha. I was like, oh shit. Like, that was trash. All right. So That's no bad. heavy whipping cream does not work. No. No, it's everyone I've told have been like, yeah, like, what were you thinking? I'm like, oh, that was my girl. All right. <laughs> Blame yeah. it on her. <laughs> yeah, like, you, we, we tried so many things in that product. So we add, we add monk fruit in our matcha, a monk fruit yeah. uh, sweetener blend. Yep. And yeah. the amount of different sweeteners that, that we tried in that matcha is kind of absurd like we we basically were trying to formulate this blend for about two years to get the taste right and chris's taste bugs are just a pain to deal with on my end <laughs> but that's that's to, that's for everybody's benefit because i'm probably uh, one of the pickiest sure. people when it comes to that kind of stuff so yeah like, now we have this alternative sweetener that has like zero aftertaste it's not too powerful nice. it's like it complements the matcha you can't taste any mushrooms and mm. Ari was so patient with me. So, honestly, some days I thought he was just going to be like, you know what? Then you make it. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> you're so damn big. Well, I mean, like, like I was going to say, like, we tried vanilla, we tried cinnamon, we tried licorice root, we tried stevia, we tried like all these things that I didn't even know existed were even sweeteners before. And like, and like, sometimes it just tasted so bad. <laughs> like immediately it's like i'm not gonna drink that we wasted that yeah. matcha <laughs> yeah some of those sweeteners i don't know how they work in other like flavor profiles but with ours yeah. some of them were just like ghastly disgusting yeah, oh, yeah. and was, then we found was, the perfect combination nice it was really wild to to dive into the world of sweeteners honestly <laughs> i can imagine it, it, it is just there's just so many different flavors and how they interact from a, mm -hmm. like a milligram perspective. Like if you have one different milligram to two milligrams, it's a huge difference in the taste. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Something I don't like. You guys probably don't want to mess around with it anymore. But blackberry leaf is actually a natural mm -hmm. sweetener. It's just like the leaf of a blackberry bush. Um, it's super sweet, actually, surprisingly. And <laughs> I learned cool. that from, yeah, I learned that from Tiesta Tea. They, they use oh, that nice. a lot as like a natural sweetener. And that one, that one was cool. And it's not too, it's like not too overpowering. I, I personally, I don't like much, especially in tea. I don't really mm -hmm. like much sweetness. But if you're going to add some, I'm like, oh, this actually, this works well. So one to maybe if you guys are ever looking down the road to experiment again i'll try it out for sure okay <laughs> i'll try it out now you're about to me. shoot it down real quick yeah <laughs> I, I, now that i'm in it i'm gonna i'm gonna try off for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah cool um all right well i think like you guys said i want you guys to get get to your orders and everything so where where if people want to purchase this stuff and check you guys out where can they uh where can they find it honeblends.com 
that is the, that's the awesome. just our, our website is that and then our instagram handle is at home at home cool and then you said you're in a few uh shops in the seattle area so we are in armistice uh they are about to have four locations one of them is inside of the amazon building so unless you work there you can't go there yeah um they're fantastic you know they, they do all the roasting in-house they definitely do our product justice beautiful shops and we're also in all of the Erewhon locations, which is in Los Angeles. It's like a nice natural grocer. Yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. pop in there. You can get a latte at Armistice. You can, you can buy jars and packets at, at Erewhon. Hell or you yeah. can just buy it online. Sweet. I love it. Chris and Ari, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Sweet. Thank Thanks, you man. so much for having, for having us. us. Yeah, yeah a lot of course. Fun. Thank you to Ari and Chris for that fun conversation. Check out their work on social media at Hone, that's H-O-N-E, or on their website at HoneBlends.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Check out Fresh Steeps for more tea and herbal information, and leave a review if you've been enjoying the show. And to end today's show, the Urban Dictionary tea word of the day. And today's word is Hone. Hone, to improve or perfect, usually regarding a skill. My keyboarding abilities were honed in that online computer game. Number two, hone, a hot or incredibly attractive person, used primarily on Australian streets to alert friends of a sexy passerby. I don't, I'm not going to read the <laughs> example here. Um, and if anybody is from Australia, let me know if that's real. Number three, hone, special people, used in any context. Emma Peace loves Hones. I don't know. I don't understand that one. Emma Peace loves Hones. I don't know who Emma Peace is. Uh, number four, Hones. Cape Tonian. Derived from Cape Town, South Africa. Slang for an item or person. An item, person, or place that smells horrible. I just walked by that beggar and he hones. Number five, Hone. Abbreviation for honestly or honest. He is so Marv Hone. Some, you know, where are the, who does this sometimes? Just doesn't make sense. It's not a sentence. Number six, Hone. Noun, Hone. Honing, Honed, or Honeable. The act of sex or sexual intercourse. And number two within this, a tool with a rotating abrasive tip for enlarging holes to precise dimensions. And that's it. There you go. Hone for your listening pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day. Peace.